And the Lord says in the gospel today to the rich man, sell what you have and give to the poor. Name the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, our Lord. <laughs> Seems like, uh, from what the newspaper tells me or in the news, I don't read the paper, uh, we are uh, having more and more poor people in our nation. But this does not really uh, confine itself to the matter of having money. The social services of the United States, uh, they make people poor so they can give them money. It's very interesting. But we are poor in other things, other considerations. First of all, the preaching of the gospel. Secondly, the lack of quality education in the schools our children are in. Uh, thirdly, in our relationships with each other. <clears throat> so those areas are not just social areas. They're considerations for the church. Because the church <clears throat> is that place where we should be finding consolation, friendship, peace, and a prayerful community. So I remember uh, some years ago, somebody criticized our Catholic Church that uh, the people uh, run in and out all the time. They don't uh, socialize with each other. And <clears throat> of course, where I was raised, back in New York, we'd have, on Sunday, we might have three or 4,000 people in the church. Of course, that's not true out here, but uh, that was true back there. But even today, there is a slippage in the church. So I remember when I was starting my mission work here in the uh, Northwest, I always told the ushers and people like that, make people feel welcome. Greet them. Welcome to the church. And make sure they come down for the coffee hour so I can talk with them. And I would go down and sit at a table, and invariably somebody would want to talk with the priest. One of the problems with the, the shortage of priests is that he cannot be as close to his people as he should be because he doesn't know them. But, of course, in our Byzantine Catholic Church, we do go and bless each house uh, at uh, house blessing time after the blessing of the water at Theophany. And I used to try to do that so I got to every family unless they did not invite me. But usually, most of the people were happy to have their home blessed. And uh, they told me they've been Catholics all their lives, the first time a priest has ever been in their house. Well, that's a sad thing, too, that we don't know our pastor, or there's so many people that he rarely has the opportunity to greet them. At least he touches them when he gives them Holy Communion. That's a blessing in itself. 
So we are pro we have a poverty in the United States in friendship, in knowing our neighbor. And we can't help our neighbor if we don't know him. So when I was, uh, I didn't do it in Seattle because the Seattle parish grew very quickly after a year or two, it just blood blossoms, you know. But it used to be that when I get in a neighborhood, I'd take a pamphlet and put it on the door of all the people up and down the street. Some people would like to go to a church or belong to a church, hopefully a Catholic church, but they don't manage that because they don't feel welcomed. Now, there's several areas where, uh, where our people are really in need, making their, getting to the sacrament, making their Easter duty, being anointed when they're sick, going to confession. All these things require priests. Now, most of the priests I know are pretty good about this. In some places, there's a great shortage of priests and you don't even have time enough to hear confessions that you should. And uh, other times it's sort of funny. As I remember, I was hearing confessions and I was in one of those little booths, you know, like they have in the West. And uh, this woman came and she pushed the curtain back and she gave me a big plate of cookies. And I didn't know what to say to her. I said to her, well, I'd have heard your confession without the cookies. Thank you very much, I said to her. So sort of a little funny innuendo. But we should look at our neighbor, especially our family, and see what they need to prosper spiritually. They always need your prayers. They always need your example of practicing the faith. And if they don't know the priest, take them to some social and introduce them to the priest so he knows who they are. Make sure they're registered in the parish. So this past week, we have some good friends years and years ago, and uh, the, father's, uh, the father is very ill, and the boys are calling me, his two boys. I said, uh, did, have you had him anointed? He says, well, we did get a priest in to anoint him. As I had talked to them before, I said, are you registered in that parish? And they said, well, no. I said, well, you go register in the parish so the priest knows you're there and throw some bucks in the basket on Sunday. Start going to church on Sunday. Don't make to the, you have a disaster in the family to find a priest. So what happens in big parishes where there's few priests and lots of people, they look in the register and they don't find the family or the name and they say, well, they don't come to church here. No priest should be uh, refused the last rites. They should always do that. And, uh, but sometimes the, they know the barrel that makes the most noise gets the attention. So if you know the family, you're better, it's easy for the priest to minister to them. Now, you, we only have about six families to come to church here, but they know who I am, and they would have no problem getting me 
get down to a car to take care of them. But I'm a retired priest. I'm a monk. But I would do that. I have enough brains to do that, you know. So, But some priests, they don't know. So then the family gets angry because mom or dad didn't get the last rest. But did the priest know they was, she was sick? Did he come to see her on the first Friday? If he didn't, did he have a Eucharistic minute to help him? Well, no, no, but we, we thought they would know. Well, how are they going to know? We have an obligation to minister to our neighbor. You never know, you might have somebody that doesn't like the Catholic or something, and you, they meet you and they say, well, those Catholics aren't so bad. And they see you with your children. They say, well, they must be good people. They're raising a family. Or you know them from work or something. And you develop a relationship. Then where's the need? You might be able to uh, introduce them to the church. You know, we have lots of things that the church, you can always bring somebody to uh, experience that. So I remember I had a big argument with my dad one day. It was Sunday, and we were all waiting for luncheon. And I'm in the living room, and, and I'm sitting there. And I asked my father, uh, do you evangelize? Do you talk to your neighbors about our faith? And he said, no. That's the job of you priests. I says, no. I said, it's every, every, everybody's job that's a Catholic because how can the priest multiply his presence in the parish and get to everybody if his people don't help him with that? Most churches grow because somebody invited the new member to the church. Now, I know Catholics have a lot of qualifications for people like that. But we have, priests have ways to help them with that. So they may be in a bad marriage or they're divorced. Somebody told me they can't go to communion because they're divorced. That's not the teaching of the church. They just can't remarry. If they want to remarry, they got to get an annulment or a dissolution. And they got to know a priest to do that. So if you don't know a priest and somebody needs that help, Get them to one of the uh, priests that work in the bishop's office, the chancery office. They have a whole office to take care of that. Not that I can guarantee they're going to get an annulment if they don't have grounds. And I'm not going to go into that with the, in just a homily. But maybe you should try to reconcile them if they have no grounds. Maybe they should reconsider that first marriage where they walked out the door. Marriage is important. You have to sacrifice to be married. And you have to give, give a lot. Every marriage I know, somebody's giving more than one or the other, one or more time. And then maybe your partner gets sick, maybe they're dying. They need you. Maybe they need you physically to help them. I've seen some tragic cases in my 
especially working in hospitals with the sick. So this gentleman was very ill, and his wife wouldn't come to see him. And she couldn't stand sickness. Well, she better grow up. She's going to get sick someday. She'll want somebody to see her. I used to go to Mary Manning Walsh uh, rest, uh, Retirement Center in the Bronx. And invariably, I would go as a work uh, to, and I always visit someone who never had a visitor. And they appreciated that very much. The human voice, the human touch, the presence of a human being really consoles another human being. If you're a good Catholic, you must be a good neighbor. In some parishes, they have an organization and the priest keeps track of the sick. And if he can't go, he sends a visitor. Then the visitor finds out if, how sick they are, if they need the sacraments or they need confession so they can get there. Fortunately, most of the parishes I had were Eastern and they were small enough that we pretty well knew everybody well and who was sick and who was not. And they all got the sacraments. That's the important thing. The key to heaven is confession and receiving the Holy Eucharist. If you, say, if you receive the Holy Eucharist and you die, you're gonna, you've had the body and blood of the Lord, you're going to go straight to heaven. People talk about the indulgences and things like that. We're not too keen on that in the Eastern Church, but you know the Romans have that, and that's all. That's their way. Uh, but anyway, it's okay. It's a Catholic practice. But they want to get these indulgences so they can get to heaven. Well, the best way to make sure you're going to get to heaven is frequent confession, communion, and your daily prayers. And say your actitution before you go to sleep at night. Loving your family and your neighbor. Taking care of someone who's in difficulty. We don't mean you should be taken advantage of, but it doesn't hurt to help somebody when they're in need. And they'll remember that all their lives. They may even tell God about you. So to be a good neighbor, sometimes we have to discern that. Uh, but uh, up here on the mountain, there was an old gentleman, 100 years old, and he lived way out in the sticks. And uh, they... Uh, no, but he was like a, you know, he lived off the land. But he was getting up there, so people went to see him, see if he was okay. He says, I'm okay. But even if he was okay, they should be watching over him. So finally, he got all way over 100, and they said, well, it's time for you to come to town now. What about monks? You, you live around here with these monks. 
there was a monk. He was a really a monk like a hermit monk, and he lived by himself. Well, in our rule of our monastery, he can live by himself. We have to feed him and take care of him. We can't just say, well, you're a hermit. Now go out and live in the trunk of a tree. You'll be okay. Yes, be watched over. I don't, enc I don't encourage any of my monks to become hermits. And stay in the house with everybody else and suffer. And uh, because, you know, what if, what if he gets sick or something, there's no one there for him. And that's because we had a hermit and we didn't take care of him. So you read these romantic books, spiritual books, about these holy hermits. Think of the people that take care of them. So I had, went to a monk's meeting a couple years ago. I don't go to all the meetings because they're far away and I don't like to go too far. And it's expensive and I don't like to spend the money. And uh, sometimes you go to these meetings, it's not worthwhile. But it was very interesting because at this particular meeting, there were two hermits there. They came to the meeting. And what they had to say was treasures. We benefited from the fruit of their prayer life. So when you go to see a monk or hermit, ask them for a word. That means a message. You're asking from them a message, a holy message. Well, he can, and if he is praying, which I'm sure there are, he will have a message for you. Because he's living that type of tense prayer. It may not be what you want to hear, but it may be what you need to hear. So we need these people to pray for us and keep the church on track. And we have to take care of these people and we have to pray for them. So I have a pen pal from another monastery. He writes to me. <clears throat> and he says to me in one letter, he says, I'm sure glad I got somebody to pray for me. And he's a monk. I haven't answered that letter yet. I'll get it before Easter. I'll get something out to him. And uh, I appreciate that. That he's looking for prayers. And this young man, when I was in the parish, I knew him. And I helped him discern a vocation. I actually sent him to the monastery before I went. So I'm still a pastor. He's been there all these years, and I always remind him, you got to pray for me. Now he's got to pray for the monastery. So now he writes and says, I'm praying for the monastery that you have good, faithful vocations, and they're prayerful. So I get a monk praying for the monks. Isn't that pretty good? I get a monk praying for the monks. It's a wonderful thing. So here, who is my neighbor? The gospel says, whoever is in need is your neighbor. Well, how do I know what he, what he needs? I would say, in the situation we're in in the United States, he doesn't necessarily need money. Americans, they give money to people, and that takes care of things. Not necessarily. He might need your prayer and your money. 
And you, I get letters from people, pray for my son. Pray for me, I'm alone. My wife fell asleep in the Lord. I never neglect those. I don't get, I don't get long letters. But I maybe have a page, but I send them my blessing and my prayer. It means a lot to them. They hold on to those things. You may have something that doesn't mean much to you. Like my grandmother, she had all sorts of flowers in the yard. The garden. There, our garden was a mixture of flowers and vegetables. In the same bed, uh, they would plant carrots and daffodils. And also, it's all such a crazy garden, but they brought that from Europe with them. Then her neighbor across the street lived in a, an apartment. So would she go out and uh, she'd bring a bouquet with her to this lady friend. And, uh, and the, the bouquets were sort of different too because they'd have flowers mixed in with parsley or something else in the bouquet. So I was in junior high school, and my grandmother sent a bouquet of flowers to my teacher. And then, of course, these people are all, you know, they're not slaves. They were a different kind of people, but nice people. They thought it was strange that I had parsley in the bouquet of flowers. And they said, don't you just put flowers in? I says, no. I says, we always put some kind of herbs in the bouquet so it'll smell nice. I said, besides, people don't get nice fresh herbs. Maybe an okay of herbs would be appreciated by them. So maybe your maybe your neighbor needs a bouquet of herbs. Maybe she needs some help with her animals. Maybe she just needs to talk to you, not gossip, just talk to you. It's a wonderful thing understand Christian friendship. Christian friends pray for each other, support each other in trouble, and fall in love with their neighbor in the right way. Nobody is an island. Nobody lives alone. We all live with God and our neighbor especially if we can say a word of faith to them, we're helping on their journey to the kingdom of heaven. So say, God bless you. Say something in the scripture for them. So it's like in our, uh, it's almost, it's impossible to talk to people about God. They should be used to talking about God. They should be used to Helping each other. She'd be used to the woman that's losing her husband to go to her house and help her. Maybe she needs laundry done, something. My neighbor is the one who is in need. And God will bless me if I help them with my need. My neighbor is someone who consoles me with their kind words. My neighbor is one who prays for me with me in church. 
the pastor, he's the father of the parish, but all those people in that parish are his children. He should have a good relationship with them if you allow it. You know, it's bad when you go to the funeral home and you're going to have a funeral and you never know this person. That can happen. Maybe they ship them in from somewhere else. It's always the holy thing to take care of them. But it's even more meaningful. You knew that person and they're friends and you all sit there and talk about them and maybe have a couple of shots. You know, the we always have whiskey at a funeral and slabs. So the guys, they get the, they, the women talk more, but the guys, I think, drink a little more whiskey, but I don't know. But the funeral was a great event in our parish. Interesting. Because they knew each other. They worked together in the factories. They worked in their gardens. They went church together. They were friends. Name the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.